Good evening. It's good to see everybody with us this evening. This morning, we talked about something that I think we all struggle with. If I had a dollar for everybody that told me I stepped on toes this morning, I'd be in good shape. I stepped on my own toes. I told a few folks, my toes are broken. So I'm preaching to myself when I preach these sermons. Um, they go before my eyes before they go to your ears. So I assure you, just about every sermon I preach, there's a lot of application in my life. And that's the way it should be. There's another one tonight. I don't think, I don't know, maybe it's going to step on my toes. Maybe it'll step on yours. We'll see. But I do want to talk about something that I struggle with sometimes. And what we want to talk about tonight is the meaning of contentment. Are you content? You will find the word content 16 times in the King James Version Bible. 16 times. Contentment is found another time. And we're not going to look at all the verses that we could tonight on contentment, but we will look at a few. And we also want to discuss the true meaning of contentment and what contentment is not. So the first point we want to look at tonight is contentment versus materialism. Usually when I think about contentment, I think about contentment versus materialism. Well, if I could just have a little more of this or a little more of that, maybe a little bit more money or a little bit bigger house or a little bit nicer car, things like that. Contentment as opposed to materialism. I think generally speaking, contentment will go a long way towards combating the sin of materialism. Materialism dwells on the material, the physical, the carnal, the things of this life. And it is absorbed with the things of this life rather than the things of the next. It is in the context of the love of money where we find our first instance of the word content couple of instances of the word content that I want us to look at tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 talks about the love of money being a root of all kinds of evil and consequently greediness or materialism, we might say, is found there in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. But I want to back up a few verses before that, looking at verse 6 and following. And the Bible says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. I have to say that I think that there's a play on words here. Because if a person is not content, what are they obsessed with? Material gain, right? If they're not content, they're obsessed with gaining various things when we talk about materialism. So there's a play on words here. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When we realize that the things that are to be gained through faithful Christianity, when we realize that those are so much more than things that might be gained through materialism, physical things, when we make that realization in our minds, 
then we can be content. Paul says if you really want to experience gain, be content. Look at verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. The saying is true, there's never a hearse with a luggage rack. There's never a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. I think somebody did it as a joke one time, but they're not using the U-Haul behind the hearse. Okay? I'm reminded of Job, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, I believe, who said in Job 1 verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me ask you this. Was Job content? He was, wasn't he? And contentment went a long way towards Job having the right mindset in being able to deal with the things that he had to deal with in that book. The attacks from the devil. In fact, the fact that Job had a lot of physical blessings is reason why the devil put a target on Job's back. And he tried to use those physical blessings against Job. But Job was content. See, it didn't matter how many physical blessings he had, he was still content and he was going to serve God no matter what he had. And so when those things were taken away, he still served God. Verse number 8 here in 1 Timothy 6 says, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Those are the very basic necessities of life. Anything else? It's just gravy. By the way, gravy goes really well on rice. We told somebody here that one time, and they looked at us like we were crazy. Apparently, it's just a Louisiana thing. You should try it sometime. Everything else is just gravy, okay? If we are content with what we have, if we've got the basic necessities of life, anybody not have the basic necessities that you need tonight? Uh, okay. Let's be content. And realize that anything on top of that, that's the gravy. That's the icing on the cake. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think looking at the audience tonight, we've got a whole lot of icing on our cake, don't we? We need to be content. We need to realize just how richly we have been blessed. And folks, I know that physical blessings of life are one thing. And I know that Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. And so we need to be thankful for the physical blessings of life, but abundantly more so, we have the spiritual blessings that are located in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 3. And so with that in mind, we definitely need to be content because we have all spiritual blessings. Paul goes on to talk about those who with sinful desire desire to be rich and fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. <clears throat> How many times have we heard words said to this effect, well, he was so good, maybe a politician, 
Well, he was so good until the money got to him. He was so good until he got into this and had influence here. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? Money, power, it can corrupt. People who sinfully desire, they will themselves to riches in a sinful way. When they do that, they fall into many harmful lust, foolish lust. They fall into temptations and snares, and they're drowned in destruction and perdition. Think about what John the Baptist told the Pharisees, or uh, the publicans, rather, in uh, Luke 3, verses 12 through 14. Let's turn and read that. Luke 3, verses 12 through 14. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Contentment is a vital Christian principle. John the Baptist was preaching it there. People were coming and wanting to be baptized, and they needed to know, hey, you need to be content. This is a vital, important Christian principle. Contentment versus materialism. Do you know what another word for materialism is? Covetousness. Covetousness. Do you know what another word for covetousness is? Idolatry. Colossians 3 verse 5. And so when we begin to obsess ourselves with gaining more, more, more stuff, whatever the stuff is, whether it's bigger houses, and there's nothing wrong with getting a bigger house. Sometimes we need a bigger house. But if we become obsessed with it, and that's our goal, and that's our aim, and that's all we care about, and we're worshiping the very thought of it, we're taking it too far. But if it's houses, if it's fancy vehicles, if it's more money, if it's more things to put in our houses, et cetera, et cetera, if we become obsessed with those things, what are we really doing? We're idolizing those things. We're serving those things uh, as little g-gods in our lives. Covetousness is something, is desiring something so much that it becomes one's chief aim. It's the only thing he or she can think about. It's what they focus on. It's something that he desires so much that maybe he even wishes evil on somebody else so that he can have it. That's covetousness. And it's idolatry. Sometimes we ask ourselves if there really are any idols still in this world. And there are. And although you don't very often see people bowing down to statues, although you will see it in some places. We don't see that as much, but there are still idols in this world. And greed and idolatry, uh, materialism, would be examples of such. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without 
covetousness. And then it says, be content. Isn't that interesting? Let your conduct or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, and that's God, by the way, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me bring in our next point, which is contentment with one's lot in life. You see, contentment's not just about not being materialistic. We can be malcontent in other ways in our lives as well. It can also be the case that one may be coveting things like status, or perhaps one might covet influence or someone else's situation in life, or perhaps someone's role. Well, I covet this position that someone else got, or position. Can it not be the case that someone begins to envy? They begin to envy someone else at work, for example. He or she envies that person, desires that person's position, begins to undermine said person. I'm going to undermine them, them hoping that they fall so that when they do, I can swoop in and I can have the position that I envy. That's not being content. That's coveting someone, their position. Think back to the Ten Commandments, and we want to look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, specifically I want us to look at the last one, the commandment that deals with covetousness. Exodus 20, verse number 17, what does it say? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Keeping up with the Joneses, right there. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Lusting after another man's wife. Right there. Nor his male servant, nor his female servant. Uh, what did servants do in that situation? They provided gain and, and opportunities for the one who had the servants. Lusting after that. Coveting that. Nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbors. You see, when we take our eyes off of Christ and we start looking at everybody else and what they have, and well, I wish I had what he or she has, what are we doing? We're coveting. We're idolizing whatever it is that he or she has that I wish I had. And when that happens, We're not content. That's the root of it. We're not content when we allow ourselves to do that. We need to constantly be on guard. We do not need to keep our eyes on everybody else in the sense of an envious way. We don't need to wish 
that we had this lot in life or that. A lot that someone else happens to have. We don't need to elevate anything to the point of being an idol in our lives. One station in life, one's lot in life, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. But it can be human nature not to be content with it. Well, this is my lot in life. This is my status. This is my position. This is the hand that has been dealt to me. Human nature is, well, that's not enough. Not content with it. Human nature is, but I want more. 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 That's not contentment. The mantra of many is more, more, more. The mantra of many is, why, why, why? Why, Lord? Why not me? The mantra of many is, well, why can't I do what she does? Why can't I have what he has? Why can't I be where he is in life? It's not contentment. It boils down to the fact that sometimes we focus on what we want instead of realizing what we have. I want us to talk about, as we wrap up this evening, uh, a common misconception about contentment. And the misconception is... When we point out the importance of being content, we don't need to get the idea that it's wrong to want certain things out of life, to have desires. Jesus taught us to pray for the things that we will. John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. In verse 16, if you keep reading down in John verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 16, says that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Do you know what the context of those verses is? Jesus is dealing with bearing fruit in the Lord. And so what's the point? The point is we need to keep the priorities the priorities. We need to focus on bearing spiritual fruit. We need to focus on growing as Christians. We need to focus on evangelizing. We need to focus on edifying the brotherhood. We need to focus on the right things. And sure, we can ask God for a desire that we have here and there. He may say, you don't need that. He may say, sure, I'll give you that. But the priority has to be bearing spiritual fruit for God. And he's going to take care of the things that we need. 
we got to keep first things first. When we seek first the kingdom of God, then and only then will we truly turn all other things over to God. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, all the other kinds of things, the things of lesser importance. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. They'll be added unto you. If those things are within God's will, if those are things that we truly need, and guess what? Sometimes it even gives us things that we just want. Maybe we don't even need them, but you know what? He blesses us with something we want from time to time. But what do we have to keep in priority? What do we have to keep in view? Seeking first the kingdom of God. And if we do that, we'll be content with whatever our lot is in life. The key, I think, is found in Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. God's going to give us the desires of our heart, I like to say within reason, if it's truly things we need, and if He approves of them, and He desires for us to have them, But what's the important part? Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. That verse is not teaching the prosperity gospel, by the way. What's the prosperity gospel? The idea that if you just turn to God, everything's going to work out. If you just turn to God, if you just send $30 a month into this program, everything in your life's going to turn around. That's the prosperity gospel. That's not what this is teaching. Everything's going to be fine for us on the day of judgment. And the Christian life is a wonderful life, but we still face trouble just as the next guy does. We face trials. We face tribulations. The New Testament is replete with it. We know that. So that's not the prosperity gospel. But you know what? God actually gives us a little bit of things to enjoy in life. And we as spiritual Israel, you know what? We're going to benefit, benefit from the milk and the honey and the pomegranates and the grapes, etc. From Canaan, I know we're spiritual Canaan, but we're going to benefit from some nice things in life. But what's the focus? What's the priority? Focus and the priority has to be the spiritual. And the rest of life, let's enjoy it. But keep the priority the priority. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18, he says, Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink, and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. For it is his heritage. Quoting from the English Standard Version there. Solomon says, look, these things are good. God wants us to enjoy things within reason, within his parameters. He wants us to enjoy life. He created good things for us. 
But when you get to the end of the book, what do you find out in Ecclesiastes? You're never going to find your fulfillment in the finer things in life. You find your fulfillment in fearing God and keeping His commandments. That's man's all. That's the whole duty of man. That's where we find fulfillment. That's where we find the true meaning of life. We mentioned earlier, James wrote, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation and shadow of turning. We serve a good God, and He's made many things for us to enjoy. I think about one of my all-time favorite things to do, going out into His beautiful creation and just witnessing how beautiful it is. He created that for us to enjoy. It's beautiful. He wants us to enjoy life. But at the end of the day, at the end of life, what really matters is we served Him. We lived for Him. We feared God. And we keep His commandments. I want us to look at some more verses. It's going to help us in our journey to contentment as we wrap up tonight. Matthew 5, verse 6. Matthew 5, verse 6 in the, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed is He. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. You seeking to be filled? There's all sorts of stuff that you can try, but it won't fill you. There's material things that we can try, but they won't fill us. There's sinful things that somebody might try, but it's not going to fill you. What fills us is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 11, Now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul ever find himself in some tricky situations? Some difficult situations? I don't know. Maybe he was beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked. He had some difficult moments, didn't he? But he was content. I think back to Moses, Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26, appearing in the hall of fame of faith. Moses, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Moses was content. Moses had everything his heart desired in Egypt, being adopted into Pharaoh's household, and yet he forsook that because he understood he wanted to be on God's side. He understood that a better reward awaited him. He understood that there was an eternal award, an incorruptible inheritance that fades not away for those who are on the Lord's side. We need to be like Moses. We need to remember to take the focus off of the passing pleasures of sin, and we need to place the focus on God who rightly deserves our attention, our obeisance, our worship, our praise. Take focus off of self. I know it's hard to do. Do so 
and place that focus where it belongs. Place it upon the one whom deserves it, God. Paul wrote in Romans 13, verses 13 through 14, Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That's what it's all about. It's not about pleasing ourselves. It's not about pleasing the flesh. It's about pleasing Him. Finally, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Moses being one of them, from Hebrews chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Christians, are we content with that? Are we content with picking up our cross daily and following after Him? Keeping our eyes on Him? We need to ask ourselves that. And when we get bogged down, when we get to thinking, well, you know what? Why don't I have this? Why did I not get this opportunity? Why do I not have that position? When we get to feeling that way, and we're not content, we need to remember, hey, it's not about me. It's about him. What is the meaning then of contentment to a Christian? Contentment is keeping our eyes on the prize. Heaven. Contentment is keeping our faith in God. Contentment is keeping our eyes off of our neighbors in an envious way. And contentment is keeping our mind on things above, not on things on the earth, Colossians 3, verse 2. That's contentment. Are you truly content? I think, plot twist, I think there are some folks who are content in a bad way because they're content to keep on living in sin. They're content not to serve God. They're content to serve only themselves. They're content with the passing pleasures of sin, and they think they're just fine. Know anybody like that? Maybe that was you one time. Maybe that's still you. That's not the good kind of contentment, is it? Are you content to sit on a pew when you know what you ought to do is come forward and put on Christ in baptism for the remission of your sins? That's not the good kind of contentment if you're content to stand still. Sometimes as Christians, people are content to be subpar. Sometimes Christians are content to be mediocre. Sometimes Christians are content to not grow 
to not read their Bibles, to not ever talk to anybody about their belief in Christ, confessing Him. That's the bad kind of contentment. You know what that kind of contentment is? Ready for it? Lukewarmness. That's lukewarmness. Jesus said it makes him sick. Revelation chapter 3. Don't be content in that sense. Don't be lukewarm. Come to Christ. Keep your eyes on him. If you've never been baptized into Christ, do that tonight. If you, if you realize you need to do that, do it. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ. And have the right kind of contentment. Be content in Christ. If you need to come tonight, we ask that you please come as together we stand and as we sing.